This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. (laughs) Money, health, failure personality, feelings, random, random, random. What if there are no connecting dots from experience A to result B? What if experience is new every second and has no prior cause or reason? Of course, no one has to believe any of this. It's just a point of view and a what if. No harm in trying it on. And it just may be worth playing with it. Because believing we're in charge of what happens feels awful. And random, though granted, might be almost completely incomprehensible to humans, feels way better. Much lighter. Much more spacious. We might discover a whole different sense of self if we play with peeling off faux responsibility and cause effect from that self's aching back. We might discover that, just like there is no self, There are also no gods watching, judging, and metting out punishment. Perhaps nothing is out there lining up our failures, just waiting to give us the smackdown when we misbehave. It could even be that we've been free of the ties of good girl and boy all along, and we just haven't noticed. So bent over have we been, carrying responsibility. Random just may be the key to the unanchored, free-floating self. Valeria Tellis interviews Judy Cohen. She is a coach, writer, and speaker. Judy Cohen has a background full of used-to-be's. She used to be a clinical psychologist, entrepreneur, certified facilitator and trainer of the work of Byron Katie and of Scott Killaby's Living Inquiries, as well as various other ways of bettering herself via non-duality. She also used to be depressed, anxious, therapy-chasing, antidepressant-taking, guilty, ashamed, suicidal, despaired. Naturally, she yearned to feel better. So naturally, she did a lot of seeking, trying to make that happen. Along the way, several awakening experiences happened, though they were never Judy's goal. Contrary to popular myth, these awakenings didn't put an end to unwanted feelings or personality traits. They did help Judy come to see, though, that every experience, good, bad, happy, or sad, is an awakening. She finally knew to give up seeking because there is nothing more to get. She'd had it all along. Today, Judy lives a much lighter life, working with worldwide clients via Zoom to find practical, 
doable ways to live and integrate non-duality through everyday struggles and situations, and to see that that wispy illusion of self, which causes so much dissatisfaction, is a whole bunch of nothing. Meet Judy at irreverentmind.com. Here is the interview with Judy Cohen. In your own words, who is Judy Cohen? Oh, my goodness. Let's start out right away with a big yes. one. <laughs> yes. Uh, it depends on how you're asking. As Judy, I'm a counselor, and I work with people who are anxious, depressed, and spiritually seeking often. And I help confuse the mind basically, so that we can have access to something else once in a while. So that's what I do in my working hours. But if you ask who I am, I think that this Judy thingy is uh, variable and uh, changes depending on context. And um, But that's half the fun. It's not pin-downable. Yes, a billion times to that second part of who you are. <laughs> Undescribable, unseen, untouchable, impossible, really. When you, you talk about the mind, you just mentioned kind of tickling the mind. I love the blog posts you have. How many abilities do we really have and how many do we explore in a lifetime? We talk about, you just mentioned about, um, we have thinking, uh, feelings, imagination. But what is that makes us realize that we are beyond all that, beyond thinking, beyond the body even? I'll tell you, I have a, an answer for that that I think may not be typical. I think everybody already knows. Mm. And I, I realize that that's uh, controversial and that not everybody thinks that. But in our language, our everyday words point to the fact that we know all the time. We know we are pretending. We use words like story and drama and acting, playing a role, playing a part. We, we use words like that all the time. So I think that people know, but what are we? I mean, I, I, again, controversial, perhaps. I see, your listeners may be horrified by this, but I see thought and feeling and body as all the same thing. Imagination, you mentioned, I see it all as the same thing. And um, I don't see those as different characteristics or different things to achieve. It's all imagination, Ah, that resonates. Everything is being imagined, which means it has not been created, really. I know we talk a lot about yes. creativity being creation, but there's no such a thing. It's just There's no such thing. There's no creator and there's no object created, although we live like there is. We again, we pretend. We're willing to pretend and that's the fun of it. We get to play pretend all the time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. I, I wrote about this recently. I uh, you may have seen it, but we're like any little kid. We get to play pretend. The the thing is when we start to think we are 
a person with thoughts and feelings, which we all do. Again, I live in the same world you do. If I've, if you ask me if I'm a person, most of the time I'll answer mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> when we're not having this kind of conversation. Right. But the thing is that it hurts to be a person. It feels awful. Yeah, it does. Right? right? It comes with suffering. It comes with smallness. It comes with right and wrong and shoulds. And all of these are are indications that it's not true. Mm. Because truth doesn't feel bad. So it's we've all agreed to to be a person or to pretend to be a person in this world. And and I am Judy and I have uh, personality characteristics and you can point to me in the street and call me by my name and I will turn around and say hello. But it's so small and we feel the tightness of that little box. We feel it. Um, one of the things that I see very often when I work with people is one of the common things that people experience is this sense that something isn't right. Something is either missing or isn't right, or there's something else they should be doing other than what they are doing. But there's just this vague sense of wrongness. And we feel it. We feel the arbitrary limitations of and the smallness of being a person. So I have just wandered, and I don't even know if I answered your question. Yes, yeah. No, very much, yeah. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. I love when you say, there's something that I, I think you said on your website too. You say, if truth exists, there is only one of it. So right. what would you say that is? Have we already what, talked about? What is what is truth? What is, is truth? Is yeah, what is the truth, if there is such a thing? I don't see any way that any human can ever answer that question. Because we can have ideas of what we think truth is, but those are basically points of view, and those are opinions. What we can only know what the brain allows in. We can only see certain colors. We can only hear certain sounds. You know, dogs hear sounds we don't hear. We are we are limited by the hardware. So to know what is truth, we don't have the ability to know that. That resonates too, especially the operative word there is know. So there's nothing to be known anyway. To me, it comes... The message comes as this is the unknown, the complete unknown. In everything that we claim to know, it's not true. It it seems to be the case. If it is true, we wouldn't know it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Right. And so it's, you know, I think once people get over that sense of either sadness or fear with that kind of approach, there is an incredible sense of relief and expansion there's such a relief in seeing that we don't know anything. And it, once that is clear, that has to equal an open mind, that has to equal a willingness. And it takes blame off of us. And what a relief that is, because we all walk around thinking there are things that are our fault. 
It amazes me, as I said off record, that we can even talk about this. <laughs> That's what I love about it. <laughs> the idea of knowing anything is just it's an illusion to know. Even what I said about the unknown, to me, it seems like this is the unknown. But even that comes across as something that it's knowable. Yes, so, and something that you know. In other words, you know that it's unknown. And and the thing is that you have to, you have to go there. We have to live in this world. Um, and so it's, we have to act as if we know, mm, you know, if you yeah, ask me what yeah. day it is, I'm going to tell you, I know it's Friday or whatever. We, we have to do that. But I think that what can help with a little bit of sanity maybe is not having to have pureness cut and dried right and wrong. It's possible to to have it all. So in other words, to live as if you know, and also see that maybe you don't. And you can have both. And it's an and, not an either. So because ultimately, this is a paradox anyway. It is, yes. and it's not at the same time. There's, yes. we, we cannot discern or distinguish or judge. It's everything and nothing. Which I have heard a lot of the messages of teachers, non-duality teachers, they, they say strongly there's nothing it's nothingness and it, it's very emphasized this idea that there is it's nothing appearing as something yes so that I hear a lot but I love the message when it's communicated as it is nothing and everything at the same time yes so there's no way to know Yes. Right. And, you know, this idea that it has to be one or the other is also limiting. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, and confusing. Yeah. And so a lot of times people start to feel like either they, they're not getting it or they're missing out or because it feels like they have to choose or they have to either be Judy or the vast expanse of everything and not, not one or the other. And it, it, it's, it's both. And I think that um, there are several spiritual teachers who talk about almost the kind of progression in understanding this, that we go from, maybe we go from thinking that I am this, to seeing that there is nothing, to seeing that it is everything. And if that, whether that progression is done or not, it's still all of it, both. And it has been, right, Judy? Always. Yeah, has always how been that it, way. How right. could it not be? Again, it, it, that's why it doesn't even matter whether we see it or not, or whether we get it or mm, not. Right. It is. It's, it it yeah. is what it is. Right. Ah, so true. <laughs> if there's something that's true, <laughs> it resonates. How did you come to these understandings, these realizations? You know, I'll be damned if I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I had yeah. some experiences, some some experiences that that um, some people call awakenings or enlightenments or whatever. I I'm not I'm not a student uh, of of any particular uh, point of view or method, and so I tend to avoid words like that. But I had some experiences that I think brought me, whether I wanted to see it or not, to seeing my own nothingness and also my own everythingness. And I can't really tell you how that happened. It just did. So I, you know, when people are out there trying to make that happen, I wish them good luck. 
<laughs> yes, I agree. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I love that too. Oh, wow. Yes, that's, it can be pinned down. And I mean, there's nobody to know anyway um, when that happened. If you knew, then that means somebody was there or pretending they was there and recording everything. And I'm taking credit for it. Yes. Look what I did. Right. right. And, and right. you do find a lot of people who, who say they've had enlightenment experiences or awakenings or whatever, and they say that I brought this on. I don't understand that. I mean, if I asked even myself to manufacture or to make that happen, I mean, how do you do that? And and I know so many people who have meditated all their lives, you know, for decades, they're meditating, they're following all the rules, they're doing all the right things. And that understanding has not happened to them. So it doesn't appear to be attached to anything we do. It just shows up on its own timetable if and when it wants. Wow. Refreshing to hear that way because that's how I understand it too. And I wonder why some people are gifted per se. I know there's no such a thing too, but yet why some of us are able to realize this. It comes to us and for some of us it never does. I don't think that's an answer. Uh, believe me, mm. I think there are people all over the world desperate to know that answer to that question. But I think that it's just like the weather. Why is it raining on this side of the street? I don't know. It just is. What I lived for a few years in New Orleans. I don't know if you've... So New Orleans has interesting weather. It's kind of, it is the South, but it's almost, sometimes it's very tropical. And I remember standing on a busy street, a very busy street. And on my side of the street, it was sunny. And literally on the other side of the street, it was pouring rain. Mm, wow. Why? Who knows? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> true. <laughs> so why does the rain fall mm. on me and not on Joe? Why does understanding come to me and not to somebody else? I don't think that's an answerable question. I think that it's a happening that is out of our control. And that's a concept that is very hard for humans to grasp. We like to think that we can control anything if we just do the right thing or study up or follow the right rules or abandon the right rules. But we think that we can make things happen. But the truth is the rain comes whether we train for it or not. <laughs> true. So true. And what I often think is, there's a desire, because I have seen this here within this conditioned body and mind, that I always wanted to know. There was a quest to know what happiness is, what peace is. So it was really from suffering, of course, um, childhood traumas and all. So I wanted to know what peace, basically joy and peace, these two things. I wanted to get to that place. And I had an idea for it. So, and, and that continued. So even if I had practices that led me to feel more peaceful and joyful, or, or perhaps even be most of the time, live on that space most of the time, I will never know the reason why this wanted right. to reach for peace and joy. 
So there's no way to find out. Or why it showed up today, but not yesterday. Or why it shows up today, but not tomorrow. You, you are never going to know that. And there, there's a kind of, uh, again, I, I, my points of view are controversial. Not Many, many people disagree with me. So that uh, understanding that. But there's a kind of different, this, let's call it difference. There's a kind of difference that comes when instead of trying to get peace and joy, which people are trying to do all over the world, if it's possible to, I don't mean this with intention, but if there's somewhere possible to accept what there is instead of trying to get something else. Mm, yeah. There's a kind of peace that ironically comes with this is it. Not so later true. after you've done all the right things and, you know, you get to have what you want, which is peace. Not later. You know, it's, but this, as it is, as it is, liked or not liked. Yes, a billion times to that idea of acceptance. Yeah, of what is. Yeah, that here it happened exactly that way. It was trying to reach and get to joy and, and peace with so much force. Then I, I got to the point of um, depression and then suicidal thinking and then the realization that, wait a minute, I, this is it. Oh, yes. It's beautiful. And the quest itself, I mean, what you just described is, is the experience of so many people. The quest itself to hunt joy and peace. I mean, even as you were describing it, I was feeling my chest tighten up. It is not peaceful to, to try and make that happen. And it comes with, the more you do it, the more it comes with failure and uh, a sense of hopelessness and a wondering what's wrong with me, that that is what comes with trying to hunt peace. And I paradoxically, ironically, when you, when you just give up to what is instead, sometimes peace shows up by itself. Right. Yes. Another billion times to that. Yes. It yeah. does bring yeah. depression yeah. and it does bring, uh, for many people, thoughts of suicide because you can't make it happen. So it just, it just brings failure. Uh, how amazing this human experience is, uh, whatever this is, right, that we call human. So you're still a clinical psychologist, right, Judy? Do you still practice? I mean, that's my that... training and I still work with people, but I am not licensed anywhere in the U.S., mostly because I work with uh, people internationally. That license is useless um, anywhere else. And also because I my approach is unusual. And so it, it doesn't really fit a lot of boxes. So I am still a trained psychologist, but I operate more like a coach, I would say. So my question is, when it comes to that, holding that label almost as a healer, because I work with a lot of healers. And what is your ideas and understandings of healing, of what healing is? I think that the more acceptance that this is it, the rain comes when it wants, the more acceptance of that, the more we experience a healing. I, we're not broken 
actually. But we feel like we are because we can feel that this identity is not right. We feel it so strongly. And so that sense of needing healing and needing to be fixed, that is strong. And it's strong in a whole lot of people. I, I won't say most, or certainly not all, but an awful lot of people, the vast majority, feel the need for some kind of healing. And I think that the more it's possible to relax into what if, what if, just what if, what if this is it and it's not broken? What if this is it as it is? And I don't know if you can feel that even just asking the question comes with a feeling. If I can describe it, it's a liberating feeling. It's freeing. That's what it feels like. And isn't that what people are seeking when they're trying to find healing? So it, it again, paradoxically comes not from trying to heal and more from, okay, this as it is, is it. It brings its own kind of peace and it brings its own sense of healing. So true. And even if we can't go further, which I have been kind of experiencing that more and more, accepting what it is and then even the unacceptable, which is being in a yes. human body. A lot of us don't want to be here. And all oh, the sense of self, right? The identity. And then also accepting the unacceptable and then accepting even if what we can't not accept. So there's a lot of um, this idea, the concept, the feeling of embracing life unconditionally. As best we can, because the truth is that we can't force acceptance either. Mm, yes, yeah. That is also like the rain. It either comes or it doesn't. Mm, yes. But true. if you if you are at least if one is at least open to the possibility that this present moment might just be all there is, even if you don't state that as a fact, just the possibility can open open doors and bring a little a little quiet. I have read something about, I think on your blog, about death and grief. Yes. It seems to me that that's the, our biggest fear is to lose the identity. You mentioned that in, on your blog too, and it's something that I have written about and talked about. So we are really afraid of losing or finding out that there's no one there. There's that fear. So talk to me for a moment, Judy, about the apparent real suffering here, I mean, out there in here, when it comes to grief, losing the people we attached to that we love? Well, I mean, I don't think the suffering, the, the pain of, of losing, I don't want to call it suffering just at the moment, but I don't think the pain or the sadness of losing somebody is necessarily something that, to get rid of. At the same time, though, the question is, are they lost? And it's, it, you know, on the one hand, yes, the, yes. The, again, when we talk about and as opposed to either or, yes, the body is gone. And is that them? And are they lost to us? And as we begin to play with that, a case can be made, let's say, that where would they go if we are everything? 
where are we going? Mm-hmm. <laughs> not too far. <laughs> That's for I mean, sure. <laughs> where are we going? Where we're not already. So, yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Also, I don't know if yeah. you've ever experienced being present when somebody died or you had a pet that died or a family member that died. Um, not yet, not yet. Okay. But I, for me, one of the, there are many examples of this for me, but one of the, the easiest ones is that years ago I had a little cat that I had to put to sleep. And she was on my shoulder and the vet was doing their thing with the, the needles, etc. And here's this little kitty on my shoulder and she's breathing and she's purring and she's she's warm and fuzzy and eventually the the medication took effect and the purring stopped and the breathing stopped and she was gone but the body was still there so what is it that left Hmm. and obviously that's an unanswerable question there's theories etc but as you begin to think if it's not tied to the body because it left she was clearly not there anymore so if if it's not tied to the body where is it going and maybe it's right here yeah i love when you say maybe <laughs> that's it, uh, it's um, all we got you know right, right, right. we have to go to maybe and what ifs of and course, yeah. because the minute we start talking as if we have answers we're full of it Uh, yes you know i wish we could talk about these things with this confidence yeah that you just spoke of as full of it but it can be done right jody we cannot say that we know anything for sure we're never gonna uh, know yeah we're never gonna we're gonna think we do i mean i have opinions and i believe them and and i'm going to act as if they're true but in reality whatever that is i I don't know. When you talk about the life force or whatever animate this body Mm -hmm. with words and thoughts and all this, the energy. And a lot of people talk about this, even scientists, everything's energy, frequencies, vibrations, energy is everything. And energy is in everything. So when I think about what you just spoke about, um, this in us, this energy that leaves the body when it dies then, of course, it goes somewhere, but it's still here. It can't go. It's a closed system. Yes. There's nowhere for it to leave. And again, if we are everything, then how, where, where could we go where we're not everything? When you talk about these things, like these realizations, understandings, are they something that resonates only with the intellectual mm-hmm. mind, logical mind? Do you feel that in the body as a feeling, emotion, sensation? Or there's another, something else in here? It's a hard question to answer. I, I, I mean, I'm forced to resort to things like a sense. Uh, or, you know what I mean? I, I, we are limited by the body and the mind and the brain and what we are and that that isn't changeable so when i talk about this stuff is it just intellectual no can i describe it really no and um how to know the difference between let's say relief or an expansion and just a feeling better i mean there's no 
way to know. You can get a sense. And again, that's all, really all. And there are whole whole religions and theories and points of view and doctrines and dogmas built around formulating, making a formula of this. But when you, um, when I said earlier, I think it was, we were talking about uh, death and loss, and I said, is, is it lost? And you felt something. What was that? Don't, don't answer me, but just in, in answer to your question, you start to notice a different quality of a feeling state. And that's, that's all. That's all we know. Yeah, so you use the word sense. It's a sense. It's a feeling, isn't it? It may not be a, an emotional feeling, but it is uh, a sense. That sounds good, too, because it has to do with the body. It's sometimes... Right. It, yeah. I remember asking a question, looking myself in the mirror and asking a question, who are you? Who is here? Mm. And then the answer was very clear. What is here is everywhere. So there's no center, there's no... It felt very expanded, and it was... It felt almost like more than a... More than a feeling, but it was not... It, it wasn't. It was a feeling, too. The body kind of uh, responded to it in a very positive way. I looked at myself in the mirror, it changed the facial expression. So it was very powerful in a way, but not an awakening, none of that. that I, I cannot label that, any of that. But here, here's the thing, Valeria, that that I that I enjoy about that that little story. You asked the mirror, first of all, "Who are you?" As if it's not you, because it isn't you. It's a mirror. Yeah, yeah. Okay, true. and then you got an answer. And what people don't notice is you don't need the mirror to hear those answers if any if one is paying attention for instance one of the things that i do sometimes with clients is have them ask ask the universe ask your the essence of what you are ask consciousness i don't care what you call it just throw out the question out into the ozone whatever the question is like is Judy my name? If you ask, is my name Valeria? And just listen for a second. Do you get a yes or a no? Yeah, it's a yes and a no. That's always the case. And you can begin to notice, first of all, that that's a different answer than, like if I asked you in the supermarket, hello, what's your name? You would say Valeria, (laughs) right? So this is a different answer than you might ordinarily give. And also... It freaking answers. So when there's nothing, there's no harm in people playing with, throw the question out there. Who am I? What is this? I like your question, who are you, better than who am I? Because then you're not necessarily asking yourself. If I say to you, who are you, that's different than who am I? So it's one of the easy little ways someone can play with a different, a less limiting viewpoint is to ask these questions and then listen. 
And it's interesting how the answers are always here too. All questions, all answers, everything, it's here. Yes. Not necessarily within, but it's everywhere. It's, right. It just it speaks to us, everything. The trees, the, this microphone, um, you yes. talking to me today. It's just, uh, uh, it's just life. Um, I say life doing what it does. I don't have a life. I am life. Yes, yes. There are many teachers who would completely agree with you about that. I am life. I am body. I am feeling. I am thought. I am color. I am sound. I'm anger, yeah, not angry. Right. I am anger, right, right, or sadness, right. or what, or, or joy. And yes, it's it it's a it's a way to play. It, will it get people what they want? If that's what's coming, yes. <laughs> if that's not, what, if it's supposed yeah. to rain on this side of the street, it'll rain. Uh, yes, right. <laughs> and if it's not, it won't. And yeah. um, that's how it is. Yeah, it's interesting how we attach, we own everything. We This is the claiming of ownership, my life, my sadness, my anger, my happiness. I did this. I <laughs> yeah. brought this on. I made enlightenment happen. I <laughs> answered the question. Uh, that isn't really an answer from somewhere else. That was me. That was my unconscious answering the question. You look in the mirror and you say, who are you? And you hear an answer that says, what is here is everywhere. And then we say, I answered that question. So yes, we take we take credit for everything. There's another interesting idea, concept we have is uh, responsibility, morality, that sense of control, of uh, having yes. control of life, free will and all. Yes. So talk to me for a moment about that, Judy. How do we learn to, uh, not learn, because we can, like you said, we can't really try. Right. But it seems like we are we are trying to understand something here, which we call it, what do we call this, non-duality living? I mean, that's that's what I call it. I don't know if even that's accurate. I am not a scholar about non-duality or, or Eastern religions or any of that. I'm really ignorant and okay with that. But that is what I call it because I have to call it something. But so <laughs> I've already forgotten your question. Yes, about responsibility, responsibility, morality, and free will. I think that the the sense of me, the sense of Judy as a person, really wants to think it is is in charge of what happens to me. We think that it's necessary in order to keep ourselves safe, in order to get what we want and to make things that we like happen. But, and, you know, from, for thousands of years, I've actually written about this for thousands of years, honestly, or at least hundreds, people have been asking about free will and free choice. And people have been desperately trying to, to ask, is there free will and to make a yes. Yes. Happen. <laughs> yeah. And true. person after person from Socrates, I mean, it goes way back. And what comes is no, every time. So, mm, yeah. you know, we're, but again, if you feel into your body, you can feel that the attempt to have control and the idea that you are responsible and the, the, the idea that you have free will, if you feel into that, it's not peaceful. It's kind of terrifying, really, because then whose fault is all this? 
It's yeah, yours. All this. Right. And then your right. pain is your fault, your failures, your guilt, your shames, they're all your fault. If if you're not in charge, then you're just along for the ride. And that feels different even just to say. And the funny thing is when we get to um, have this sense, as you call it, of not being life itself and not having a life that you're responsible for, then you become even more responsible. <laughs> we become more, a better person. I mean, there's no person here, but there's, it seems like the mind and the body, they respond differently to that. And then it becomes the experience change. Actions might be different or they might not. I, I, it's, it's, it's kind of a watch and see kind of thing. But for people to do this kind of thing in an attempt to sneakily sneak in the back door and make themselves a better person, I would just ask if the person they are is so awful that it needs to be made better. Because maybe it's not. Mm. What a concept. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, true, so true. Wow, it, it is, um, it goes back to the paradox of all this. And I love the idea of acceptance that resonates, if there is something true, it resonates true. Just keep accepting, not as a practice, but this letting life itself just flow and do its dance because it's there's something benevolent about this. It, it always comes to me as well as something benevolent. And no, it's not yes. love, but... That's my experience too. That does Is that right? I don't know. But that is my experience as well. And I think many other people's experience. And it is, again, we can't force acceptance. We can't force surrender or any of that. But, but if people are just willing to consider possibilities and to play... And then they can just see what happens. And if there was a thing to play with, I would play if it was, I would play with, what if this is it? Not bettering, not healing, not changing, not um, needing things to be different. What if this as it is, is it? It's not even necessary to determine whether that's the case. It's just a what if question. And then we watch and see what happens. And even if thoughts about changing what this is come, then it's also part of that. It falls back to that acceptance, accepting that too, that those thoughts arise. And they're part of it. You know, don't think of a lemon. Well, good luck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, interestingly, yeah, the body experiences exactly that. Ah. Yes. And so we, it's, this isn't something we can make happen, but we can play just out of curiosity and for the fun of it. And then whatever happens will happen. It's its own thing. It, it's, but, but we can't force, I, I would hate for people to start trying, adding, not accepting to their list of ways they fail. In other words, you can't force it. It, it. it comes to you or it doesn't, and that's fine. That's not wrong either. What a free message. Thank you so much, Judy, for being You're you, so for being welcome. open. And thank you, for, thank you for making this easy, Valeria. I really appreciate <laughs> you and your questions. I really do.
<laughs> I love this for some reason. Who knows why? <laughs> Who knows? Uh, and I love the way you keep talking, yeah, the playfulness of it. You even write about that. What do you do? It makes life feel lighter. So lighter, uh, playfulness, they go together, those two ideas. We so. take ourselves so gosh darn seriously. We are just we so darn important and we're so <laughs> yeah. serious and everything is very important that we heal and that we change. I have a friend yeah. that works so hard to better herself that it's exhausting. Yeah. It's exhausting to even just watch her try so hard. When you know, it's just light. I mean, the word enlightenment has the word light right in it. How do you um, navigate this reality with these, um, uh, holding this profound, to me, profound understanding, realization of what this is around those who don't yet understand or maybe won't ever understand? You know, people ask me that a lot. And I see that, you know where you'll see this a lot on social mm-hmm. media at Valentine's Day? Oh. You'll see people start talking about how can I love somebody who doesn't understand this? I don't need them to understand. They're allowed to understand whatever it is they do understand. They are as much it as I am. And I don't need people to see the world the way I do in order to be able to relate and to love them and to connect and to have friends. So I don't run around sticking this on everybody I meet. Mm -hmm. I I keep my mouth shut and have (laughs) the respect for them to find their own way. If they ask me, I'll, I'll answer. You know, I have a cousin, uh, I have a couple cousins actually who have said to me, they see my Facebook page and they don't understand my posts and neither actually one recently did but up until recently neither asked me to explain them and so I didn't Um, if they had said what does this mean I would have answered but they didn't they said I don't understand and I said yeah I I, I get that (laughs) yeah Yeah. and you left it at that right yes yes Mm. they have right to their own reality whatever that is yeah, so it goes back to the uh, what you have been talking about, that life doesn't force anything on anyone. It just does what it does. try, yeah. but it's just more misery. Absolutely, Jody. So you, you meet people online. Talk to me about how you provide your services. How can we find you and how do we book a session with you? So my website is irreverentmind.com. Dot com And that's um, tricky to spell, apparently, for a lot of people. Um, it's three R's and no A's in that word, irreverent. And uh, on the website, there are uh, scattered about, there's a link that you can click to book a free 20-minute session where we can meet online on Zoom and find out if this is a fit for them or for me, you know, there are some people where I don't have what they're looking for and that's fine. And then if, if that, if it feels like it works and it feels like it's a good, a good fit, um, we proceed to, um, to connect online in some series of private sessions. At this point, I'm doing mostly private sessions. I have a couple of classes that I think I might be doing again in January but I haven't done classes for since since the beginning of COVID, I don't think. 
because I might, I might do that again next year. And um, otherwise, that's it. It's, it's, you know, it's not cheap to work one-on-one. And it's also not necessary. If I do find that if people are really, really hurting, it's hard for them to see straight to help themselves not hurt so much. Um, in which case, it, it, it makes sense to reach out to somebody outside of that pain who can possibly see a little clearer than maybe the pain will allow them to see. But, you know, nobody has to do this, you know. But I do work with people online. I work with people all over the world. And the way to start would be to go to the website. The Mind Ticklers are there. Yeah. Lots and lots of them. There's almost 300 of them at this point. (laughs) Yeah. Fun, so much fun. I, I was laughing here on my own, or maybe not on my own. <laughs> well, I'm so glad. Uh, uh, so yeah, I'll have the website on your podcast profile. And speaking of those, um, there's one that caught my attention. So many of them, but there's one that I wrote it down here. Um, maybe I'm just paraphrasing. I can only trust myself, and then oh no, I just ate the whole pizza. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was on the topic of addiction, obsession, yes. addiction, yes. <laughs> the idea of well, trust, the self. <laughs> you know, I'm going to trust me and I'm going to get it together. Yeah. And then while yeah. thinking that we're stuffing food in our face or, or biting our nails or whatever, it's like, you know, we can't trust ourselves. We just don't have the power to make happen what we want. Oh, yeah, it's so true. Thank you so much, Judy, again, for being open to life, for merging back we always been life, but it seems like the focus has been on the person, the identity of the, the separated wholeness part yes. of Yes. I enjoyed this very much, Valeria. Thank you. Thank you, Judy. Take care. We'll talk soon. Bye for now. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Judy Cohen and her work, please visit irreverentmind.com To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org/podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now. <laughs>